This week on the Dylan and Dylan Show, the Out of the Box Draft drafts the clutchest players in football, basketball, baseball, hockey, and soccer. Q&A covers the increased player movement in college football, as well as the biggest winners and losers from the National Signing Day. Steve Samick joins the guys to talk some esports. This Week in Sports covers the Urban Meyer News, as well as our picks for Athlete of the Year. And finally, we wrap up with the announcements of the winners of the Tunnel Vision Awards for college football. again for another great Friday edition of the show back with some great topics and we're excited to get right into it Dylan Jesperson here in Michigan of course Dylan Holt in Kentucky Dylan how are you doing today I'm doing great um it feels like the last week has been like a lifetime because so much has happened we talked about Steph Curry last week how he's on the verge of breaking that record he did that at the end of last week's show we talked about Murray State going to Memphis for a big game on the road against the Memphis Tigers. They went into the FedEx Forum. They beat Penny Hardaway, Amani Banks, and Jalen Duran, and all those superstars. And what was an upset, I, I think you can call it an upset, especially after what Memphis went and did a few nights later and just rolled past Alabama, which I did not expect at all. After co- I've covered quite a few of Memphis's games. That team's weird. And they could, I don't know if they're good or not, and I've covered like seven of their like 10 games. That that team is just weird. But Murray State got a huge win. was really, really excited to see that. But Friday night was also sombering for me because um, Kentucky, West Kentucky specifically, suffered uh, the worst tornado in the state's history. And, I mean, it's it, it's been a really, really tough week down here because, as I think everyone's seen, it's been national global news at this point. Um, there was quite a few lives lost. Mayfield, Kentucky, which, I mean, literally – right up the road for me. Like, I think it's 20 minutes from where I'm at right now. I went to Murray High School and then Murray uh, State, obviously, I talk about it all the time. You guys probably hate hearing it by now. Um, I mean, it's literally like 20 minutes down the road. Like, I know Mayfield very well. I have lots of friends from there. I think that my family lives there. Um, but, I mean, absolutely just decimated. And it was just heartbreaking to see. Uh, I, I I really loved seeing how uh, West Kentucky's just rallied together. It's, it, West Kentucky's such a special place. I talk about it so much. It's just been really, really special to see everybody rallying together to rebuild Bayfield, rebuild parts of the other communities that have been destroyed. It's, it's been really, really nice to see, but been a really, really tough week, even after all the, the really, really cool things that happened. Um, and just seeing like Governor Bashir come down to Mayfield, uh, seeing President Joe Biden come into Mayfield to kind of give a spotlight and uh, show uh, how important it is and uh, how we're going to rally together and build that uh, community back up. But I say all that to uh, get a get kind of a shout out to Mayfield because Mayfield is a really, really special place. And it's it's a special sports place that people don't know about. 
that it's not like there's Mayfield High School and Grace County High School. Both of them are awesome at football. I played both of them all four years in high school. Both of them made runs at state title. Mayfield won four state titles in four years when I was in high school. Just absolute studs. Murray High has beat Mayfield twice in my lifetime. I mean, just an incredible high school football program. I just, I, if there's any community that will rally together, it's it's Mayfield Grace County. They're such strong people, and it's, I, I don't know. I just, I have so much praise for them, and I really, really have liked how everyone in West Kentucky's kind of rallied around them. And tell so that to say, uh, if you're in any bit interested in donating to the help with the relief. I put the links out on my social media. I'll put it out on the Dylan and Dylan tomorrow when the show goes, or when you're listening to it today. It goes out tomorrow. Surprise, we record a day early. Um, but yeah, I just, uh, I, I really, really, really uh, loved the support people gave to, gave to Mayfield and the rest of the West Kentucky. Is. We've gone through a really tough time. But yeah, uh, excited for a really good show today. And yeah, excited to get it kicked off. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm happy that you and your family are all right. Uh, when that happened, I, you were definitely in my thoughts. I'm happy that you are doing okay and keeping Kentucky in our thoughts. It feels like uh, now like two or three weeks in a row that uh, on both sides of us, we've been on the, the wrong side of national news uh, in our communities. Uh, I was able to get out to Oxford or to Romeo just a couple nights ago on Tuesday uh, to see Oxford play their first uh, boys basketball game. And uh, it was just a, you know, at least that community is somewhat on the other side. There's going to be some weird, uh, not pleasant parts that they have to go through uh, with the coming up. Uh, But the return of the basketball court and just the return to athletics in general, you can just tell is, is going to be a healing moment for that community. So it was really nice to get out there and see that. I was really happy with that, uh, but I'm happy to put all of that sad stuff behind us for today and just get an hour or so and talk about sports because outside of all that that sad stuff, it was a fun week in, in sports, and we got a lot of news and a lot of uh, interesting stuff to cover, but of course, we're starting with our out-of-the-box draft this week. Dylan's already flipped the coin, and he's got heads up, of course, uh, just it always makes sense that I'm going to not get the, get my first pick. Let me explain the draft real quick. Uh, we are doing the most clutch player draft with a bit of a twist, just a, a made sure uh, that we don't cross over, get too many from one sport. So we're picking one from each of the major sports, uh, football, baseball, basketball, and then we combine hockey and soccer. So football, who would you rather have the, who would you most want to have the ball in your hand, in their hands at the end of the game? Could be a quarterback, could be a running back, could be a wide receiver, any of those guys. Uh, baseball, uh, I said, who would you rather have at the plate? I think we can open it up to pitchers. I think uh, that you might have a pitcher, and if in case you need to dip into your alternates, I'd I'd like to have it open to pitchers as well. So, who would you rather have on the mound in a big game, or who would you rather have up to the plate in the big moment? Uh, basketball is pretty obvious. Who would you rather have? To, who would you most like to have taking the last shot? Uh, and then hockey and soccer, we went to the shootout. So, who would you most rather like to take the PK or the shootout shot in hockey? Uh, so with heads, Dylan gets his pick. Would you rather have the first pick or the second and third picks? I went two and three. Okay. That works because my first pick I think is the one, one of this draft for sure. Uh, I'm taking Tom Brady and I'm not looking back. Uh, I I think he is just the goat. 
the goat of all sports, really, but the goat of comebacks. 41 fourth quarter comebacks, uh, including, I think, all of the most memorable comebacks in NFL history. That we, you, When you think of like, oh, that comeback, the 28-3 comeback against Atlanta. You know, he came back from 24 points down against uh, Peyton Manning and the Colts uh, at that one time. Uh, you know, I, th- I feel like every time, uh, you know, Brady was down, it was like, okay, at some point he's going to come back. You know, it, it was almost worse for the Patriots to have a lead because, you know, we saw what Eli Manning could do when they were, when they were behind to the Patriots. So uh, Tom Brady with, uh, you know, a deficit is maybe the scariest player I would ever have to face. So uh, I'm very happy getting Tom with my first pick. I'll throw it to you for your second and third, the second and third picks of the draft, but your first and second picks. So with my first pick, the second pick overall, I'm going baseball and I'm going with former New York Yankee closer, Mariano Rivera. Oh my God. What a clutch player in his career, a 0.70 ERA. That's the best to ever do it. In the playoffs, you know, when it matters. 42 for 43 in save opportunities. The one blown save was in the 2001 World Series against the Arizona Diamondbacks. I've got the hat on. We all know about it. It's whatever. The one time. uh, The best win percentage of any reliever in baseball history. Baseball history, like, goes back to the dinosaurs. It is a very, that's a lot of history. And it's Mariano Rivera. Five World Series, and the best stat of them all. More men have walked on the moon, 12, than have scored on Mariano Rivera in the playoffs, 11. That's stupid. So that's why Mariano Rivera is my first pick. I'm glad you included the thing about pitchers, because I was going pitcher, no doubt in my mind. He was my first pick. Um, As far as my second pick, I am going to go with – I'm going to go – I'm gonna go basketball, which might be might be might be a little risky, because I know I definitely basketball and football are definitely my expertise. So if you if you stole one of those, I could pull something out of the rear end. But I'm gonna go basketball. I'm gonna go with the goat. I'm going Michael Jordan, six-time NBA champion, seven buzzer beaters that clinched playoff series, and that doesn't even count clutch defensive plays which, you know, MJ was out there locking up everyone and their mother. Um, They didn't count um, clutch shooting percentage throughout his entire career. That became a new stat in the 90s. But in the times where they did count that, he shot 40.9% in clutch situations. That's stupid. If you don't know, people shoot a lot worse in clutch situations because it's a lot harder to make those baskets. And Michael Jordan just made clutch baskets. Clutch basket after clutch basket because that's what Michael Jordan does. He, I mean, he's the GOAT. That I, If I was talking about this any other time, like LeBron's the GOAT, but I'm making an argument for Michael Jordan in this. He's the GOAT, daggummit. Um, six-time NBA champion. Yeah, just think of all the moments, the push-off in Utah, the shot against Cleveland earlier in his career. I mean, in iconic clutch moments. I mean, there's a few players you think of when you think of clutchness in the NBA. Air Jordan is up there with all of them. I'm obviously not going to say the others. I assume there's two or so that I think you might go with. But, yeah, Michael Jordan, he's the guy. He's the GOAT. Two, three, MJ, Air Jordan. Yeah, him and Mario Rivera, very happy with those two. I'll throw it to you for your next two picks. Yeah, absolutely solid picks. I was going to throw that Mariano Rivera moon stat at you if you didn't say it, but uh, happy that you included it in there as well. Uh, But, yeah, I – 
I'm, can't go wrong with those two picks, uh, but you didn't steal either of my picks re- regardless. Uh, I'm going to go basketball and baseball as well. I'm going Kobe with my second pick. Uh, Kobe is when I think of clutch and, and, you know, maybe it's because we grew up with the Co- Kobe was our guy growing up, but he was the clutch guy. And I mean, he leads the NBA all time with 26 total game winning shots in his career. I mean, no one's really even that close. He took a lot more than anyone else really, because for so long he was the guy in LA. So he was relied on to take those shots. But I think that is part of Kobe's legacy uh, is the Mamba mentality is when the ball, when the game's on the line and the lights are the brightest, Kobe wanted the ball. And that's, you know, regardless of, you know, how you know successful he was, he did it so much that like it became part of him. So uh, I think easy enough, take, take the black Mamba in that one. Uh, if you can't get Michael Jordan, uh, Kobe was my one, one there, but cause I think he's just, you know, so perfect for that. Uh, and then for baseball, uh, throw it back to, I'm also taking a Yankee, but I'm going Reggie Jackson. Uh, and I think, uh, speaks for itself, Mr. October. Uh, you know, you get that nickname, you know, you've had some clutch performances in your career. Uh, most notably, he had that three home run game in game six of the 1977 World Series, uh, three straight at bats, three home runs. Uh, and then he also had a game seven home run in 1973, two World Series MVPs, which is, you know, uh, not many players even play in two world series to win two world series MVPs is outstanding for a guy. That's like, you know, he was Mr. October because he did what he did in the postseason. Uh, His postseason numbers, 278 career average of 278, 18 home runs, 48 RBIs and 41 runs scored in the postseason. I mean, uh, he's still the postseason goat uh, in terms of baseball and maybe of all time in like any sport. I think, you know, when the lights were the brightest Reggie Jackson, performed and that's what you know that's what i'm thinking when i when i'm thinking this list so if you're giving me one at bat give me reggie jackson up there and i think he'll he'll clobber something and if you give me one shot i'll take kobe uh i'll throw it to you for your final two picks so i like both those picks but i'm going to switch to football right now because i'm saving my soccer slash hockey pick for last um for football i'm going with a manning and when people think I'm going Manning, they're like, oh, yeah, Peyton, the, the GOAT. No, no, no. I'm going with Eli Manning, quarterback from the New York Giants, who tortured your pick, Tom Brady, in two Super Bowls. Eli, in his career, had 27 fourth-quarter comebacks. Not as much as old Tom did. But Eli played on some crappy teams, which Tom never had to deal with. And Eli also, is Eli Manning didn't play as long as Tom Brady. Um, in 2011... Eli Manning threw an NFL record 15 fourth quarter touchdowns that year. That's crazy. That's a really, really good. Like when you first see it, it's like, wow, no one's done that. But then you start to think about that. That's a really good stat. Um, obviously, two of the biggest comebacks ever. You mentioned Brady's comebacks. Brady's Tom Brady. Eli Manning, like, people are like, is this guy even good? And he went up against the greatest team probably ever. And he let, went down the field with David Tyree and was able to be what should have been the 18-0 Patriots. Insane. One of the greatest comebacks ever. And then did the exact same thing in 2011 to beat the Patriots. They were down like four with like two minutes to go. And Eli Manning was like, I right, say less. It, it, it's me and, me and the boys in blue. We're going down the field beating the Patriots again. I mean, it's just what, it's what Eli Manning did. He, he makes all those dumb faces, but he goes out there, he wins games in the clutch. That, Eli Manning, I don't know 
He's got the Manning gene, but he's also got the clutch gene, which he used quite a bit. Now, for my last pick, I'm cheating a little bit. We said shootout, uh, penalty kick. I'm going with a goalie. I, I'm cheating because I had to do research. I'll be honest. I had to do research for uh, soccer and hockey. And my uh, the results that I came to were the clutchest player in NHL history is Patrick Roy. And I started to read more, and I was like, yeah. Patrick Patrick Wah. Patrick Wah. It yeah. looks like Roy. I'm telling you. That it does look I, like Roy. I just wanted to make like sure Roy. we got it. It looks like Roy. It I, does. I, I Patrick Wah. Patrick Wah. This dog's legit. Like, he's really, really good. I just pointed out, did my research. He won the Conn Smythe Trophy three times, four Stanley Cups, only goalie to win a cup in three different decades. That's that's silly goose stuff. I, I like to talk about the silly gooses on the show. That's good old Mr. Wah is a silly goose. Uh, mo- the most playoff games of any goalie in NHL history with 151. Uh, second place would be probably going to butcher this name. He's probably got some weird accent. Barton Brodeer, Brodar. Yeah, 99. Not even close. Um, Wah leads career playoff shutouts like holy crap he has impressive performances in three different decades where he's making clutch stops shutting people down in the playoffs doing crazy things he shut down Wayne Gretzky me being the hockey guy I am I know Wayne Gretzky is the goat in hockey if Waz out here shutting down Wayne Gretzky in the Stanley Cups you know the man's pretty good coming up clutch and clutch situations that's why I'm going with not Patrick Roy or Patrick Wah with my last pick. Who do you got coming in at soccer or hockey? Uh, uh, I love the Eli pick. Uh, Patrick Wah, uh, you know, he obviously the best goalie of all time. He, like, lives in my mind as because his last game, and obviously you're not a big hockey guy, so you probably don't remember this. His last game, uh, and maybe it was just his last game as a Canadian, but it was his last game. He played the Red Wings. And his coach left him in as he got torched for eight goals, like kept and left him in just, and he just got torched. He just kept getting it until he finally skated off the ice and looked at the GM and said, that was my last game. I'm not playing for you guys ever again. And then walked away. And that was, so that will always be torched in my mind is like, that's how Patrick Watt ended his career is just getting torched. Um, uh, on the flip side of that, I'm going to hockey. I'm going Detroit Red Wings. And this was my bias pick because, you know, I, I'm not a huge hockey or soccer guy either, but uh, in my lifetime, uh, the Red Wings were very good for a little bit. And this guy, Pavel Dadsuk, was a big part of it. Uh, and if I'm taking a shootout, I'm putting Pavel Dadsuk out there. Uh, statistically, you know, he's 36th all time in career shootout percentage. He scored 40 of his 98 attempts in his career. Uh, but in terms of like, there's just no one been no one smoother on the ice in my opinion since we've been alive. I mean, that man just looked like he skated on butter and it just looked so smooth. He was one of the few people where, you know, even in Michigan hockey's pretty popular, but you still, it still takes a good, you know, a good player like that to, to ca- catch the interest of the general public. Datsuk had that. Datsuk had that ability to make you miss and, and make it look fun when he was playing hockey at, at his best. And some of his shootout goals are just so hilarious to watch because he made the goalies look absolutely silly. And that's what I want in the hockey shootout is like 
I want the the best skaters on the ice making those goalies look silly because that that's what I think is fun. I think that's uh you know I know hockey purists aren't big fans of the shootout, and I can understand why, but uh, it's a lot of fun to me to watch the the best of the best go at it. So happy to take Pavel Datsuk with my last pick. Join Reggie Jackson, Kobe, and Tom Brady uh, in my clutch lineup. Uh, we'll get that post out there on social media so you guys can vote on that as well and get a winner. Uh, we will move on to the question. Oh. Alternates. Alternates. I almost forgot about the alternates. Let's what, what do you uh what do you got as your alternates? Who did you have down? This was a rare outside the box draft where I was not biased at all. I, I got a Manning in there, but I don't like Eli that much. Um top of my alternate list, a guy that many of you probably don't know, former Tennessee point guard Lamonte Turner. That boy made clutch buckets. Lamonte wasn't that good. But man, you put him in a clutch situation, ice in his veins. Like if he could go in the NBA and just play in like the last minute of a game, he might be one of the best players ever. And that guy just ice in his buckets. He made like, it was like three straight years. He made a three in the final minute to beat Kentucky at Rep Arena. Like that, people don't do that. And he just did it like all the time. I'm sure that, I'm sure he only did it once and I'm just making it up in my head. I know he did it at least once or twice to beat Kentucky. He only did it once in Rep Arena, I think. I don't know. I'm bag checking in my head. I know he did it less, at least once in Rep. He also did it to Kentucky in the FTC tournament one year. And I, I great memories of Lamonte doing very terrible things to the University of Kentucky. Man, just hurting their feelings. Uh, unfortunate. Uh, Albert Pujols, obviously up there. David Freeze, obviously up there for clutch players. And I don't know how much David Freeze did outside the 2011 World Series. But that alone gets you on my... Mount Rushmore of clutch, or I guess not the Mount Rushmore, but like the second Mount Rushmore, like the smaller one. It's like the alternate Mount Rushmore. Um, and then Kobe, obviously, on there. Tom Brady is who I, I wanted, but I kind of figured you, you'd get Tom Brady, Michigan guy, all that. So I went with Eli. Um, and then I was, I was trying to think, there was one person I didn't write down my ultimates, I'm just rattling these off. Juwan Jennings, that's who it was from Tennessee. I Juwan, it just felt like anytime Tennessee was in a tight game, whatever quarterback was back there, because God knows Juwan Jennings played with like 70 different quarterbacks in his time at Tennessee. They were looking to Juwan Jennings. He had the Hail Mary catch to beat Georgia in 2016 and just made big catches over and over again after that. Now he's making big catches in the NFL. Last weekend against Cincinnati, made a huge catch in overtime to keep a drive going. Jimmy G and the boys moved down the field, won the game. Saying, I mean, I'm not saying it was all Jawan Jennings doing, but I mean, kept him alive. Uh, so yeah, Jawan Jennings rounds out my list of ultimate. Who did you have in your ultimate list? Uh, yeah, I, I had kind of the same thought process as you and a couple of them. Like, if you snatched Tom for me somehow, I was going to go Peyton just because Peyton was a. Peyton actually had more fourth quarter comebacks when I looked it up. He has 43, Tom had 41. So I thought that's bad teams. Yeah. And Peyton like, was detrimental to his team a lot. He took pit. That's true. <laughs> that's true. That's true. That's not, yeah, that, uh, I guess that's a good point. But I had Peyton there in case. I had MJ in case. Uh, I had Trey Burke and Nick Stauskas also in case if I wanted to go that, that route. Obviously, Trey Burke, the, the very iconic shot against Kansas, but Stauskas was a more efficient shooter in his time at Michigan and had a very, a very memorable shot. I think it was against Wisconsin where he hit like the step back three to win the game. And it was, you know, he was, you know, he's a pure shooter. If I had to pick between the two of them, I think, you know, just 
Stauskas had was the pure shot. So I think I'd take Stauskas. He was like Reggie Miller at Michigan. He did not miss shots. It was insane. I remember that. It was an Elite A game or whatever it was. He absolutely torched Tennessee. I'm like, this guy is going to go to the NBA and be the best player ever. And then he was Nick Stauskas in the NBA, which was unfortunate. But I'll let you continue. Yeah, he's in the D League in the, in Grand Rapids now, so I could actually go see him if I wanted to. But he is one of my favorite Michigan players of all time, even though, uh, yeah, he didn't pan, pan out in the NBA quite like we thought he would. Lottery pick, too. So, uh, But then hockey, uh, I had some more biased Steve Eiserman and, like, Henrik Zetterberg from the Red Wings, but then also, like, Sidney Crosby, Alexander Ovechkin. You can't go wrong with those types of names either. Um, Messi and Ronaldo, if we wanted to go soccer. I, I thought it was interesting neither of us went soccer because that would have been those would have been the easy picks, like, like the to pick Messi for the PKs, I think that's the easy pick, but uh, whatever, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, we will move on now to the question and answer segment. Uh, we both have college football related questions. I will start uh, with my question this week because yesterday was National Signing Day. It's a fun day for those who are more invested in college football than the normal person, which I think is both of us. We're watching the recruiting recruiting news as it happens the big news the 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 big news out of florida the big news all over the place that happened yesterday as uh, the early signing period opened up Uh, i wanted to ask dylan who you thought he thought the biggest winners and the biggest losers were from yesterday i think some obvious answers but also some different answers as from your opinion as an sec guy i'm going with the most obvious answer for my first winner and it's I'm going to say it as the little guys, but it's Jackson State and Deion Sanders flipping Travis Hunter from Florida State, the number one corner, number one player in the country. Like, seemingly, I, it depends on what you look at. But it it seems pretty much like Travis is is the guy in this class. And he's going to Jackson State, which is awesome. Uh, there's been a lot of people complaining, like, what is going on? I don't like this. No, you're boring. Let him go ball out of Jackson State. Have prime time be his coach. Why would you not want to go learn how to play defensive back from one of the best defensive backs to ever play? It just makes sense. Um, but yeah, that's the easy winner was definitely Jackson State and flipping Travis Hunter. Um, and then my second winner, the University of Tennessee. They had a day yesterday, and obviously this is biased, but they had a really good day. I mean, I woke up for work at uh, 6.30, and within like – 15 minutes, I was on a 17-year-old's Instagram live waiting. I'm like, is Tennessee about to get this four-star running back? And lo and behold, at 6.45 a.m., they get four-star running back Justin Williams from Alabama commits uh, to Tennessee over, I believe, Georgia and Florida. Or no, it was Auburn. They got him over Auburn. I'm huge. Yeah, Tennessee usually doesn't beat Auburn in recruiting battles. It it seems they always go to Auburn, but Justin Williams came to Tennessee. And then as the day went on, Flipped the four-star defensive tackle, got him over, uh, I believe, Florida State and Auburn. Again, another big win for Tennessee over traditional powers. And it seems like kind of tides are turning, which is really good for Tennessee. And then grabbed another four-star defensive end later in the day in James Pierce. And I, Josh Heupel, the biggest uh, dogging on him this season or in his first year has been the recruiting. And all of a sudden, Tennessee's riding around a top 10 class. And it's like, what is there to really complain about after a year ago, Tennessee was in like a dumpster fire. They were basically the number one loser of signing day, uh, Florida State, because Florida State's definitely the big loser here. They're, they're the opposite end of Jackson State. I, I don't think anyone 
I can argue with Florida State being the big loser. But that's kind of the position Tennessee was in when uh, Heifel took over. And everything they've done, uh, super impressive. Very, very happy uh, with the job Josh Heifel and kind of the lead recruiter Rodney Garner have done. Because there's a lot of exciting stuff going on. Uh, but yeah, biggest loser Florida State, that sucks. That losing Travis Hunter, that's like a put your hat on that type of dude, like build the program around him, try to build it back up. And that's just, you're like most significant alumni goes and gets him from you, takes him to an HBCU FCS school. That's tough. And I know like Jackson State's like, I like, they're legit, I think at this point. Like, I, I think they're definitely a legitimate option for people to go to. I mean, Deion Sun's playing quarterback and Deion Sun's really good. He was a four-star recruit. So I don't think like, they can be scoffed at all. And obviously I'm all for FCS teams getting all the big time recruits. But um, I just hate that people are scoffing at it. Like, how dare you try to build your own legacy rather than going and do the tomahawk chug. Like, I love my traditional powerhouse school, but it's also fun seeing things get mixed up. So I'm all for it. Um, Florida State also lost, uh, I can't remember his name. I just have seen him called big country. He was a really good defensive end from Florida State, transferred to Jackson State, which was very surprising. So it was just kind of uh, sand on a wound for Florida State just all day yesterday. And they just got drunk through the mud. And then very, very, very tough day for Florida State. And my second loser was Dabo Sweeney. And I, not necessarily for anything he did. He's just a loser. Like I, like, I hate that guy. Like, I don't like to say I hate people. Dabo Sweeney just grinds my gears. He's like, oh, we're just paying to play now. Where have you been? That's been the game forever. We're just out in the open now. Like, yeah, Travis Hunter's going to make bank at Jackson State because of NIL, and he should. Like, if if I know a 17-year-old's name because of an ability they have of playing football or basketball or whatever, go make money. Like, we were talking about esports. Those guys are banking in off YouTube and stuff. Let athletes do it. Something can happen to Travis Hunter. I hope not. He could get hurt. Let him cash in right now while he's got all this monetization opportunities. Um, and Dabo's like, I don't like this. It's taking the integrity out of the game. Yeah, because you went nine and three and you've lost all your best coaches and you see the writing on the wall, Dabo. Uh, get with the times. It's, a, it's like old man yelling at the sky. I don't know. Dabo, I, might, the times might be passing. He joked about Clemson being done. But boy, oh boy. I don't know how high schoolers could be like, man, Dabo Sweeney seems like a cool guy. I, they just must not be paying attention. But I, I don't know. I'm also probably ruining any chance of Dabo Sweeney ever coming on the Dylan and Dylan show. But so be it. Dabo just, man, what a lame take. But yeah, my losers, Florida State, and that loser Dabo Sweeney. Winners, Jackson State and the little guys, and the University of Tennessee. Who are your winners and losers for National Signing Day? Uh, I'm going to start just with my losers just so I can piggyback on Debo Sweeney and get my stuff off my chest because I have Clemson and Debo Sweeney down and, and I have been waiting for Debo to say something since, you know, uh, it was a few years back when he said the, the day they started paying college players was the day that he would leave college football. And we're still patiently awaiting that day, Debo, for you to make good on that promise because just doesn't make any sense to me and I think we're, we're going to get into it with your question a little bit but how these college coaches seem to think that it's okay for them to get paid uh it's okay for them to move schools and a whim on a whim get all of these endorsement deals but for the players that are actually doing it it's not okay I just don't I the 
the disconnect there, I just cannot see it. I don't understand it. It's an old man shouting in the cloud at this point. Like, what are you do? What are you thinking? Like, I just can't understand the, the, the hypocrisy of a college coach making millions of dollars, uh, especially like the, the deals that some of these college coaches have signed uh, to think that like, it's not okay for a, a player who, obviously deserves to get paid a million dollars because they're not paying him a million dollars for no reason uh, to get paid a million dollars. It's just, I can't. uh, And you look at guys like Blake Corum from Michigan who use their NIL money to give back to the community, give out turkeys and give to, to people here in Michigan. JJ McCarthy gave like $3,000 to the Oxford families. I mean, uh, only good has come out from these NIL deals so far. So, Anyone that's against it right now, uh, I can tell you those are usually the, those are going to be the enemies of college football from here on out. And I have no problem saying I think Dabo Sweeney is an enemy of college football. And I, I have no doubt that he's going to be gone from college football pretty quickly. I think he'll take a pro job pretty quick and get out of it because I don't think he's going to be able to recruit jet players the, with that mindset the way that he does. Like, I just don't think he, that that fits in college football anymore. Hey, Dabo. Since I know you're listening, the Jacksonville Jaguars have an opening. <laughs> Very open college coaches, so I mean, I'm just saying. Uh, I mean, I'd love it, but we'll we'll see what happens there. I'm sure uh, there's more fallout coming from Clemson uh, as Venables leaves, and you know that program. We'll see what happens and now. Tony but... Elliott left too. Tony Elliott went to Virginia. They're OC was and DC was. That's whew, what a mess. That's it's tough. It's tough to see, but not 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 too tough to see from my perspective. But we'll we'll see. Well, it's tough for them to build a dig their way out of that. We'll see how it goes for them. Uh, Florida State, obviously, big losers. Uh, like you said, I can't imagine if Charles Woodson like did like took over an HBCU and stole Michigan's biggest recruit. I think I would just lose my mind. I don't know how I would react. I I can't honestly fathom that from a perspective so i i'm imagining florida state fans are just losing their minds right now um uh i'll finish out my losers real quick before i switch my winners uh nebraska and ohio state from the big 10 both uh so nebraska was a big loser and i just don't understand how scott frost still has a job at this point i mean the dudes won like what 20 games out of like hundreds of games that he's coached there he can't recruit at all i mean he was in the bottom half of the big 10 again this year it's not even it's from an outsider perspective it's so obvious it's not working and i think nebraska fans are just pounding in there like no it will work it worked at ucf it will work at here it's not working and you're just going to get embarrassed if you just you're 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 digging yourself into a point where you're not going to get back to what Nebraska was. It's going to be very tough to do that in Lincoln, Nebraska nowadays. Anyway, uh, I wouldn't waste it by throwing like four or five years at, at Scott Frost. Uh, at least now he won't have Adrian Martinez as his quarterback, though. So we'll at least get to see Nebraska led by Scott Frost and a different quarterback. Uh, and then Ohio State, like they still have a top five class, but they didn't really sign anyone yesterday, and they only really got guys flipped from them yesterday so they didn't have a good signing day uh uh, so i will take any chance i can to pile on ohio state bad job buckeyes um the winners uh i just said hbcus in general because i think uh they they are winning in this situation and i think i'm i'm totally on board with the you know african-american athletes have given their talents and the their abilities and the monetization of their abilities to these 
predominantly white universities for a really long time. So why not start giving back to the historically black colleges that, you know, were put in place for racist policies, you know, and they're, they're basically it, HBCUs are perfect in the sense that they were put, they were like, they're a relic of racism that they've turned into like a great thing for race relations. Like more and more, as we learn more and more about the history of it, we just see how integral these things are. And I think it's just a big win that they can go out and now they're starting to recruit at the same level as, as some of these places. And I think I'd love to see Jackson state go up against like a, I don't want to say in Alabama right now, but like, I'd love like a Florida state. Yeah. I I do not think like Florida state would have an easy time with Jackson state right now. And I, I think a lot of people would be on the same boat with that. So I'm happy with that. I'm happy with Dion. I'm happy with Jackson state. I hope that that's a, a big part of, you know, what comes out of these NIL deals is that smaller schools like this can recruit at the same level as these other places, because, they don't have to be in the dark. It's not like the Alabamas and the Auburns of the world that can break the rules in the dark and not get punished for it. We're all doing the same things out in the open nowadays. So, uh, you know, I think that's just a big win in general for college football. Uh, and then more generally, Texas A&M, big winner. I mean, they're, they're the number one recruiting class right now. I mean, I never thought Texas A&M was going to get to that point again, especially with Jimbo. Uh, so I, Hats off to them for doing what they did. They signed Anthony Lucas and and I white yesterday. Uh, And then I'll do my bias, give shout outs to Michigan. We flipped Amarion Walker from Notre Dame. We flipped Keon Saab from Clemson, uh, stole Darius Clemens from Oregon. We went hard. We got some great players uh, and we're, we're shortening that gap between Ohio state and us. So Ohio state's at five right now in the national rankings. Michigan's at eight. Uh, I mean, that's, that gap is getting closer and closer and I'm hoping that, Harbaugh can continue to uh, capitalize on that win and hopefully some wins in the playoff coming up. Uh, We'll switch to what you were thinking about kind of related uh, your question to some of the NIL stuff and the the movement in college football. Yeah. uh, I'd say it's definitely related Um, over the past. I don't know. I'd say it's like probably the last month or so, maybe less. We've seen a lot of guys in the transfer portal and more notably a lot of like, big name quarterbacks in the college football world enter the transfer portal. And my question is, is this a good thing for the game of football? Like Dabo compared, or I, excuse me, I don't think it was Dabo. I think it was Lane Kiffin compared to like NFL free agents. And is that a good thing? I want to hear your opinion before I give my take, because I have a strong opinion on this. Uh, so I think r- good is a tough, is a tough thing. Cause like, what we consider good is like not, you know, it's tough to explain because on on one side, you know, I think it's right that everyone has the ability to, to do this movement. I, I don't think you're going to get any argument from me that everyone should be allowed to move the way and, and should be allowed to move freely. There should be no requirements on transfers that you need to, you know, check these boxes. It should be, if you want to go pursue another option, you shouldn't be limited in doing so. Do I think all of this movement is good for college football? I mean, it's, it's tough because, you know, I, when I say like Brian Kelly leaving Notre Dame the way he did or Lincoln Riley leaving Oklahoma the way they did, I don't think that was good for those teams or those players that they left. Uh, Do I think they should have been allowed to do that? Of course, like they're grown men. They can sign whatever deal they want. 
I don't think it was good for those programs that they left necessarily. And I don't think that, you know, the programs that are, you know, losing guys left and right because, you know, they, you know, they just aren't getting the ability to play. I don't think it's good for those programs. Uh, but at the same, and I think it, so I think there, there's a balance there where a lot of times we don't want to say, you know, all of this movement's bad because we, we all think that the movement is right and we should be al- allowing these players to, to move the way that they do. But at the same time, we, we should understand that like there is a benefit for these guys to like stick it out a little bit at some of these places, like just moving on uh, in general is not always the right decision. Like Spencer Rattler moving on from Oklahoma, just because Lincoln Riley moved on, you know, while I think he should be allowed to do that, I don't think it's always the right idea to just transfer just immediately. So I, I think we've gone like too far in the other direction where we're just like, yeah, everyone should transfer all the time. Everyone should be like, just because we don't want to say it's necessarily sometimes not the right answer to tr- just get out of there just because you're not getting what you want. So, well, I think it's, yeah, they should, everyone should have the right to do it. There's no question in my mind, but I don't think it's necessarily always great for the sports that everyone's a lot, everyone's moving so freely and so willingly that that's the first option for a lot of guys, but uh, I'm on like both sides. I see, where it hurts us and I see where it benefits us, but I'd like to hear your opinion as well. So a year ago, I absolutely hated the transfer portal because half of Tennessee's roster was gone. Like half of them ended up in Norman, Oklahoma. And I was like, Oh my God, the transfer portal is the worst thing to ever happen to college football. And then Tennessee started just trickling in guys from the transfer portal. You got Joe Milton from Michigan. You got that hooker guy from Virginia Tech that turned out to just be incredible, and I love him. Uh, Belis Jones, who was an all-SEC player, came to Tennessee two years ago from the transfer portal. I mean, Tennessee was literally 7-5 and five because of the transfer portal this year. That team should not have sniffed a winning record or a bowl game, and yet here they are because of the transfer portal. But I think it provides just an excitement level, I think, because a team that might be down bad like Florida State, they still have hope without, like, killing the recruiting track. They can go in and get guys that um, might not be getting playing time somewhere. Like, I've got a long list of quarterbacks. Keaton Slovis coming out of USC. I have loved him his entire time at USC. He's been really good. He's just had injury problems. Keaton Slovis can go slide in anywhere in the country in my opinion. Like, if someone needs a quarterback, like, I don't want Keaton Slovis to go to Georgia, but dear God, if he went to Georgia, surely they can't mess up two USC quarterbacks in a row. And if they do, Kirby Smart might be the worst quarterback manager of all time. Because how can you mess up this many good quarterbacks? JT Daniels is good, and they're just not playing him. Because Stetson Bennett just won over that team. It makes no sense to me. But I'm very excited to see what happens with Keaton Slovis. But um, as I was saying, the transfer portal, it provides so many opportunities for teams that are struggling. Um, and it just, it, there's so many good things that can happen that I think it outweighs the bad of all this moving. And it's like the um, unpredictable stuff. Because, I mean, college football is unpredictable, though. We've seen it with coaches leaving left and right. Uh, and I think the players should have the opportunity to do it. I think having the one free transfer rule is probably good. 
because you can get somewhere like a Quinn Ewers coming out. Of, he's 17, got to Ohio State. CJ Stroud's going to be a starter there for a while. Why would Quinn Ewers sit and stay when he can go to Texas? He'll be the starter next year. He'll start for two year, or three years and be in the NFL. Quinn Ewers is a freak. It just so happens that he got behind another freak that had more time with the playbook. That's unfortunate, but that's college football. And then you got guys like Bo Nix who are older. They're going to be able to slide in. So Bo Nix, if Bo Nix does not go to Nebraska, I might lose my mind. He needs to be in Nebraska. That just makes way too much sense. The most frustrating head coach in America with the most frustrating quarterback in America. Like Bo Nix, like the Dylan and Dylan audience knows, I like love Bo Nix because he's so unpredictable and I just never know what to think. And that just seems just so right with the Scott Frost Nebraska teams. And I really, really want to see that. So Bo Nix, please. I don't know if Scott Frost is up to him. It just seems like Bo Nix would fit those offenses. It just, I don't know. It just seems like the perfect fit. Bo Nix seems like a guy that respects a good, respected, traditional program, which Nebraska, Nebraska fans think that that's what they are. And they seem to come off that way, but we'll take your word. Um, but yeah, lots of really good players, lots of opportunities. I'm excited to see where everybody goes. Um, I don't know. I just, I, it, it provides excitement in a way that college sports didn't necessarily have it outside of recruitment. Because in, in pro sports, we've got free agency. And that provides so many, like, oh, wow. Now the Lakers have Anthony Davis. Well, that was a trick. Bad example. Now the Nets have Kevin Durant. Wow. Like, what a difference maker that is. And that's I, the same thing will happen with, like, Michael Penix transferred from Indiana. Now he's at Washington. That instantly makes Washington better. Quinn Ewers, the, the, he's the man. He's 17 years old. People thought he was going to start at Ohio State. Now he's at Texas. Texas is back. They're probably not. But uh, Quinn Ewers look like, looks like he's going to be good. I don't know. It just provides that, that spark of excitement. It's more conversation. I don't know. I, I'm all for it. Let, let the kids go where they want. And if, they, if, they, if a 17-year-old messes up on where they want to go to college, they should be allowed to choose a different college when they're 18 or 19. But, I mean, that's just my opinion. Yeah, I think it it always is pretty obvious. Like the coaches that have a problem with the transfer portal are the ones that are used to be the ones that stockpiled their kids and had you know four or five five straight five star quarterbacks waiting in the waiting in the ranks and, and really don't want those guys to be able to just freely walk away from them because you know that's the that's the situation Ohio State's in. You know they signed you know C.J. Stroud. Uh, Quinn Ewers, Kyle McCord, and Jack Miller, and you know, two of those guys are gone now, and you've got a quarterback room of two scholarship quarterbacks. You know, so killing the the quarterback recruiting ranks is great, but you can't just keep them around all the time like uh, like teams like Alabama used to do. So I think that's a good way, and it, it gives you know, it also gives guys that maybe didn't perform at the greatest levels at high school, had to go to a you know, lower level D one school that gives them a chance to play into a, a better chance to make it into the league. You know, I Michigan has been the beneficiary of multiple, you know, Mac to Michigan or, you know, even Ivy league to Michigan transfers that have, you know, turned out and, and turned into very solid role players. And uh, the last thing I'll say is like, you know, we all saw how bad, well, and how, 
thought how bad Michigan State was going to be this year. I mean, that team is like all transfers down to Kenneth Walker, who was almost a Heisman finalist this year. I mean, you can see how quickly you can turn around a program just by using that transfer portal, which I think is great. I think that's like, we shouldn't, we shouldn't be making rules that like kill programs for like four or five years. That's what the old transfer rules used to do. We should make it. So it's as competitive as ever. You can be competitive one year and not competitive the next. So um, I think that's what the transfer portal sort of allows us to do. And And like we said, I think it's just, it's just right. You know, if you make a decision at 17, 18 years old, you should be able to, you know, get a redo on that for for the most part uh awesome stuff as always love the question and answer segment as always uh for our last main topic we talked to our esports expert steve samick this week on the podcast quick interview uh between him just talking all things esports we'll cut for that real quickly here all right everyone we're excited to have the tv sports esports specialist Joining us today for a quick interview, Steve Samick. Steve, how are you doing today? I'm doing really well. Thank you very much, Dylan and Dylan, and glad to be back on the podcast and talking a little bit of esports, a little bit of something different tonight. So good to be on. Yes. Last time Steve was with us uh, was for a college football roundtable. Now we're back uh, for more his specialty, which is the, the esports, is what he was brought on to write at TV Sports. Uh, and uh, for maybe some of our listeners that are not uh, esports inclined or esports familiar, uh, Steve, we thought we'd throw it to Steve really quickly to give his definition of what he would describe as esports. Uh, as it currently stands because it's a it's a changing changing world in these sports every every day it seems like yeah it certainly is and i guess the best way to describe it esports simply electronic sports so pretty much anything video game related um is pretty much considered your electronic sport i know there's a bunch of different games whether it be directly tied to more popular video games like, say, Fortnite, League of Legends, Call of Duty, Overwatch. Those are probably your biggest names and the biggest games with more formalized leagues. Uh, but then there is also kind of an emerging esports scene with the more traditional sports, namely Madden, uh, as well as the NBA 2K League. So those are more of the traditional sports games, the sports video games that people think about. And now they're turning it into kind of an esports. Uh, scene and really you know starting to get that rolling and especially with connections with the actual pro teams themselves Uh, as I said a lot of the NBA 2k league teams are directly sponsored by uh, you know NBA teams so it's kind of that you know blending of traditional sports with you know maybe the less physically demanding but still you know games sports and competition which we can kind of dive into a little bit later but yeah, yeah. electronic sports basically is just anything video game and electronic related yeah and i think you make a good distinction there uh, i think some 
you know, casual sports fans might think of esports as just like the Maddens and the 2Ks of the world that are uh, considered esports because it's sports video games that they're competing in. But it's any type of video game that you can have a competition, a type of, uh, you know, reward system at the end, a tournament, uh, you know, the leagues that you've talked about with Overwatch and Fortnite, uh, uh, those are, are all in the esports realm. And when you when you talk about the prize monies that some of these teams and uh you know, individuals are winning and competing for, uh, it makes sense. But uh, you, you, you alluded to it, the first question we have, and just like the overall conversation, whenever esports gets brought up is, is esport uh, particularly a sport in your eyes? And I think everyone has their own uh, view on it. I want to hear it from you first, Steve, before we give our, our thoughts on that. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm sure not, no surprise being that, you know, I consider myself more of like, an esports you know expert writer and it's only really a thing that i've kind of dove into over the past three four years um kind of at the tail end of my college days um is really when this movement kind of started to get forward and i figured you know it would be a different avenue as like a sports journalist you know sports journal is very competitive especially in your main sports football basketball soccer so sometimes to kind of get started and get a leg up you got to do more of the niche sports and things that people don't cover and like i said esports kind of really started to grow and it's still growing in its own right um you know it's definitely a different angle of something that i found you know i really enjoy to cover you know enjoy playing every once in a while as well but yeah i would definitely say that esports is maybe not like i said the most physically demanding sport However, I definitely feel that it is a sport. You still have your players or your teams. You know, you have your individual or your team-based game. You have coaching staffs. You have even support staffs. Like a lot of them have psychologists, team performance, you know, doctors and things of that nature. Um, I know mental health professionals and gaming kind of go hand-to-hand. There might be a little bit of a stigma there. Uh, so a lot of teams will bring on mental health professionals and performance professionals uh, to help out with that kind of issue. So, I mean, the staff's in place, your infrastructure, you know, they're building arenas. Um, a lot of colleges and even a lot of other towns are actually building arenas with big stages and big screens where you can sit down and you can watch the action. And a lot of them even will let you play, you know, during off-peak hours when they're not hosting the different events. So it's definitely, in my opinion, an emerging kind of sport. And I know it's not, like I said, physically demanding, but it still does involve, you know, the mental aspect. You have to be quick. You have to be sharp. You know, you do have to come up with the strategies and the tactics and the techniques and maybe even more so. Because like, say you take a game like League of Legends, okay? There's like 140 different characters that you can pick. And each one has five or six different, you know, moves and skill sets that you can use. And each one kind of interacts with, you know, other champions, other characters. You know, they synergize or they don't synergize. You know, one character might play well against the other and counter their kit while the other, you know, they're not doing anything effective against that one. So it's definitely maybe more so strategic than like say football, you know, I'm on offense. Am I going to hand off the ball or am I going to throw the ball? You know, is it going to go to this receiver or is it going to go to that receiver short pass or long pass? So 
there's a lot of different strategies involved, you know, with esports that you may not see, especially if you're not like real deep dive into it, um, as opposed to the other ones. But you still also, from the physical aspect, you got to have the reaction time. A lot of the times, the reaction time, you don't hit your button fast enough. That could definitely be the difference between you're gone, you're dead, you lose, and you know, you win, you know, victory royale in Fortnite, or you get a better placing in Fortnite. So yeah, definitely the infrastructure's there, the teams are there, you can do it as an individual. They've got the events and they have a lot of things that the traditional sports world has, and it's only gonna get better. So yeah, esports is definitely a sport. Yeah, you know, I think I fall in the same realm as you. I know that back going back to my undergrad days at Murray State, I was in a sports communication class with Dr. Geffler. And the first day of class, he said, what is a sport? And we talked about that for, I think, a month, just breaking down what is a sport. And, of course, the first day of class, everybody said football, basketball, baseball. And that evolved into NASCAR. People didn't see that at first. NASCAR is a sport. Cheerleading, competitive cheerleading sport. Sideline chilling, different conversation, but that's not what we're talking about. Esports is what it eventually got to. And at first, people were like, no. And this was this is a couple of years ago before it's really boomed um, with Fortnite and League of Legends, like you said. Um, I, I really think with the criteria presented in that class at Murray State University, um, esports definitely falls in it. You've got the competition, you've got uh, athletes, you, the in this setting, the people with the controller are the athletes or the competitor, however you want to phrase it, and you're trying to win. There's goals, uh, all those things. You're, you're trying to accomplish the goal of winning, and I think that's what makes a sport, and that's kind of what the case Dr. Gethman makes me. Very, very smart man. I, I very much respect him. I, I've kind of always followed that, so um, yeah, I'm right there with you. Esports, definitely a sport, because some of the things people do amaze me. I, I played Fortnite last night and I was like, I don't know if that was a 12 year old or like some 26 year old phase member that just obliterated me. Either way, it was super impressive. So yeah, esports definitely a sport. DJ, what do you think? Yeah, I think you, you bring up all the points that I'm going to bring up. Uh, I, I think uh, for anyone that's on the other side of the fence, I encourage you to go find whatever video game you most find uh fun whether that be fortnite call of duty whatever it is and try to take it to a competitive realm and you'll find very quickly that it's not very easy and you're gonna have to put some time in effort in practice in as as if you were an actual athlete um and you're gonna find even at that you know i took you know i i'll go back to fortnite because the game was very popular and i i took it pretty I want to say seriously, because I was in college, I took my schooling more seriously, but I was, I was above the average player at Fortnite, but then you get to, you, you understand and you see some players in that game and in games in general, you go, I could never get to that level. I, I, I could put in hours upon hours upon hours of work and I would never get to that level. And that's just natural talent. And that's where I think it's flipped for me, where it was like, so there are some people with natural reaction time and natural talent for these video games, just like in regular sports where, you know, like you can't, you can't teach some of these things that some of these players do. And that's why they're, you know, I see them as true athletes. They're truly, you know, a step above uh, the average when it comes to the, the, the players in video games. And, and like Steve said, you know, whether or not you 
you consider it a sport now the infrastructure is there the the coaching there is the teams are there uh it's it's getting to a point faster than some of the more you know traditional sports that we think of like lacrosse or you know even women's basketball or volleyball you know it's it's got a bigger infrastructure being built into it and i think you know we can see that that's uh you know it's on the rise i think uh and i'm one of those people that's always been like why are we a gatekeeper on what's a sport and what's not if you're competing in a competition where there's you know uh, money involved or just pride involved and, and there's you know two teams it's it's a sport in some way you can make it into a sport in, in some way so uh, I think I'm, I'm definitely we're all on the same side there I think we're all in agreement that esports is a sport uh, I think what comes next is, is the more interesting conversation somewhat to an extent is you know how we invest in these sports so I'll, I'll kind of bunch these together uh, and, and I'll throw it out to both of you guys. What do you what do you guys think about the professional teams investing in esports teams, uh, and then in colleges? You know, they're starting esports teams. Do you think that uh, there should be scholarships uh, available for the esports athletes? Uh, like Steve said, they're building the arenas. Do you think that uh, we need the, the colleges should be going out and spending money for infrastructure on these esports teams? Uh, do we think that's a little premature, or do we think that that's just you know the way of the road and that's how things are going to go? Uh, in the future with esports, I'll throw it to either one of you. Um, I think it's definitely, I, I think the scholarship route, I think is just genius. Like, why would you not look around kind of the, um, the roadmap? I have, I'm trying to think of the word, but I'm going to say roadmap um, of how this esports thing is laying out. And you see that you've got groups like FaZe, I brought FaZe up earlier, that are going and signing these uh, athletes or competitors or however you want to describe them and they're making bukus of money because they got people under their wing why would college is not want the same thing we we all know college sports is just printing money and that's more evident now more than ever so why would you not want to offer Bronny james a full esports scholarship to come play Fortnite at tennessee or murray state or wherever you're offering scholarships to, for esports. Um, as far as the professional sports, I I think that's also a, it's just a no brainer. As things get bigger, they're showing esports on ESPN. That started a few years ago with League of Legends, and it's just going to get bigger and bigger. I mean, I think God love my little brother. I I don't think he can name more than like two professional football players. Like his favorite player is Cam Newton, and you know I love Cam Newton. Cam Newton hadn't done that much in a while. And I think he can name like every member of FaZe. And like he can tell you every single move Ninja's done. And that's a 13-year-old. And I think like all of his friends are like that. I, I think esports are quickly overtaking like traditional sports, which is insane to me. It doesn't make sense to me. But at the same time, I think about it and I know some of these guys. Like obviously everyone knows Ninja. Ninja is a superstar. So I mean, and then Faze. Phase is a brand at this point that's become massive. So, I mean, it's kind of a no-brainer for these business people to invest in it because it makes so much money. There's so many people invested in it in the sense of they want to watch it, they want to seek it out, be a part of it. So why would they not sink money in it to make it even bigger? So, yeah, I think both scholarships and teams or whomever wants to invest in uh, these athletes and the esports in general, I, I think it's a no-brainer. It's a, it's a slam dunk to bring it into sports terms but what do you think Steve um well I think money is definitely a 
big concern whether you're going at the professional level um, or at the college level. But I think with the money and the teams, whether they be from college or professional, I think it gives esports a little bit more of an era of credibility. Because unfortunately, you know, gaming gets some bad raps, it gets some bad stereotypes. You know, you're the nerdy, lonely guy, unshaven, unkept, unclean, just playing games day in and day out, day in and day out. And even, you know, a lot of the teams, especially like when you're reaching amateur ranks, you know, the unsigned players, you're just, you know, a group of your buddies playing a game, hanging out, having some fun. And by having these different organizations actually invest and bring you on as a professional athlete, much like you would, you know, your starting quarterback, your wide receiver, you know, your shortstop in baseball, you know, they bring these players on and they invest in them. You know, they want, you know, their branding, they want to sell their merchandise, things like that. And especially now with esports, you know, athletes build the brands. You said Ninja. Ninja's, you know, a huge brand, regardless of if you're into gaming or not. You probably know Ninja. You probably have heard of like 100 Thieves, Cloud9, you know, FaZe, you know, some of these bigger name organizations that are just around. And even like locally, we have the Pittsburgh Knights. And they signed a uh, like a sponsorship, and they do a lot of stuff with the Pittsburgh Steelers directly. And I think you know that is just so great for credibility, because you know if you're invested and you think, okay, this is serious, this isn't a joke, to the point of we're going to invest real money, then yeah, it definitely gives it some credibility um, with a lot of like I said, these big name professional mainstream sports companies investing. Like I said, you know, the Pittsburgh Knights, um, there's a company, Madison Square Gardens. You, know, you have like the Knicks and the Rangers. Uh, they own a team called CLG. So you know these, you know, regular sports teams, and then they venture into esports, and it gives that esports team some credibility. But then it also brings in, you know, okay, you're a CLG fan, uh, then, you know, maybe you get invested and you like the Rangers and the Knicks and you, you know, build that fan base, you know, or vice versa. It's, you know, okay, you're a Steelers fan and you're like, oh, they're doing something with the the Knights. Okay, what's this all about? And you kind of check that out and get invested into that. And, you know, maybe you're buying a shirt or two and you're building merchandise. And I think right now it's kind of, you know, not as profitable as you think it is. Um, and I know definitely a lot of teams in the esports realms aren't actually making money quite yet, especially like in the LCS from what I've heard. Um, but it's still one of those things like, you know, in time with the right investment and the right care, it's definitely something that people can recoup their money back and, you know, even make money. Um, but again, it's definitely, I think right now, not so much in favor of the esports teams themselves. It's or no, it's the esports teams themselves making out on the better end when like actual sports teams invest in them. But I think you know with the right marketing, the right amount of funding, and you know of course success. You know that's the big thing. If you invest in your team in the esports and they have success, 
you're going to have a better fan base and it's going to be a more longevity thing. If your team starts to struggle, that's probably when the interest is going to wane a little bit. And I think that's where the issues are going to come in. But I mean, definitely, you know, from a standpoint of should you invest in it? Yeah. And you can always kind of dip your toe in, invest a little bit. And then if, you know, success isn't happening, you know, sell it to somebody else that would be more interested. Um, And then as far as scholarships go really fast, um, I definitely think, you know, if people are offering scholarships from, you know, good grades, foreign language, robotics competitions, you know, athletes, athletics, if esports is a sport, why not offer them athletics scholarships uh, for their skill in the gaming, just like you would any other, you know, skill that you'd offer a scholarship for. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement with most of that stuff there. Yeah, I think uh, bring it full scale and then bring it back down to earth. Uh, you know, we talk about these big, you know, big, the big sports leagues investing and, in, you know, big colleges investing in large arenas and big teams. You know, I think uh, when esports is going to take that next jump is when our generation gets into the world of like having our own kids go into sports. And there's going to be, I think a good portion of our kids that are going to be pushed into that esports realm rather than just pushed into the traditional sports realm. Uh, and I think, you know, there's going to be parents that are more willing to invest in their children's future in esports, you know, like uh, to get to a point where you're a professional athlete or even a college athlete, your parents are going to have to invest a good amount of time and their resources into your career and your future. I mean, just buying equipment and stuff like that for baseball, basketball, football is, is an investment. And, uh, you know, I think right now that's kind of, you know, some of the player base might be a little bit under, you know, because it's not as legitimate, they're not getting the best equipment because people just don't see it as a legitimate way of, you know, making money and making a career. But I think, you know, in the next few years, you're really going to see a change in that. And, you know, the player base just grow and grow, and that's just going to make it, you know, more fan, more and more fans and make it more and more legitimate as it goes on. I think it's, yeah, I think it's just tumbling right now, getting, gaining more speed, uh, more and more legitimate and it's just going to be you know more and more profitable as we go along uh, as we wrap up here we want to switch from just esports to just video games in general uh, Dylan and I did a did an out-of-the-box draft of our favorite sports video games a while ago but we wanted to get Steve's uh, Steve's uh, opinion on it as well Steve do you have a, a list or any video games sports video games that you love stick out in your mind or just think are the best ones in general. Okay. Well, I think my personal favorite series and kind of the series that actually started basically my entire gaming career, as it were, um, was the Backyard Sports Series, uh, namely Backyard Baseball, uh, the original Backyard Baseball, which I think is like 1999, and even more dating it, I will remember playing it on an easy ball. Um, I don't know if any of you ever heard of that. Um, it was like a bigger mouse for kids, but it was like a circular, just like the, it was a big yellow ball and it had a little base and you could do it. And it was a little easier to move than your traditional mouse would. But yeah, I remember playing backyard baseball, the original, not the one with all the pro players that eventually they would add in the future. Um, yeah, I remember playing that nonstop over and over and over again. And just, you know, it was a blast. And even I just, picked players that oh I thought they were fun not even necessarily good and then just 
you know, you'd win the championship and it's like, it felt so good. And then of course, you know, the main player that I'm sure everybody knows, even if you're not like super well-versed in backyard sports, Pablo Sanchez, you know, I think he has made such even like a cultural impact because uh, there was a couple minor league baseball teams that had backyard baseball themed promotion nights. And of course the first one was their bobblehead honoring Pablo, the secret weapon Sanchez. And it was just like, you know, that's a cultural impact, you know, and definitely it's a game that, like I said, it started with baseball and it extended into, you know, basketball and hockey and even skateboarding. And then nowadays they tried to remake it and it just doesn't seem like it's as good of a remake. Um, they definitely lost a lot of the players. Um, even they did scale back. They don't have any, as many pros as they used to, but they also don't have as many of the backyard kids as they used to. And it's kind of like, oh, you're missing all these players. But it's definitely kind of a 90s nostalgia was playing the backyard sports. And even something like I would sit there and I would broadcast the games as I was playing them, like pre-Twitch, you know, streaming days. It's like, I wanted to be a broadcaster. I wanted to do the announcing for a living. So I'm going to use this as a way to practice. And it's definitely just, you know, fun. And even like I played it a couple of years back, you know, sadly they don't have a lot of laptops with disc drives anymore. So you can't really play them as much, but it was just like, this is still just as fun as day one when I bought it. So it's definitely, you know, my personal favorite, anything in the backyard sports series. But then, of course, you know, from an esports standpoint, you know, Madden has a huge impact culturally, and a lot of people play it. You know, 2K seems to be getting a following, especially since they remade it and kind of brought it back. Um, I did play quite a lot of 2K8 on my PlayStation. Um, I'd probably say that was probably my second most played game. Um, and then, of course, for baseball, MLB The Show is probably my favorite of the the three because i think i played like mvp baseball and then there was like some all-star baseball but it it was lousy compared to the other two but yeah mlb the show is like light years away ahead of those two yeah and you bring up a good point i think a lot of i think maybe our generation is one of the first generations that uh gained some love for for some sports that maybe we wouldn't have just by playing video games for it i know me and dylan touched on that in the last one where neither of us are really big soccer guys but we have a love for the fifa games that is you know unmatched and and then that created a love for soccer that is that is you know something that we never expected to have but uh came from a video game and now is, is a real tangible thing in real life uh thank we wanted to thank steve for jumping on with us today. It was a pleasure having you talking some esports with us today. Uh, and we will have you on back soon for the college football roundtable, which we are planning uh, pretty soon. We'll get that out uh, before the, the playoff semifinals. Uh, thank you, Steve. We will talk to you again soon. Uh, have a good night. All right. Thanks for having me, guys, and have a good night as well. All right. Thanks again to Steve for joining us today. Had a lot of fun talking video games and esports in general. Uh, we'll get into this week in sports now. Uh, some breaking news that happened just this morning. It's Thursday as we're recording this. Uh, something that's been brewing with news out of Jacksonville all year. 
Uh, but Urban Meyer's reign has come to an end before he hit the one-year mark, uh, signed a five-year deal last January, is out of Jacksonville already. And we just we got to get our first reactions, quick takes. Dylan, what was your reaction to seeing the Urban Meyer reign in Jacksonville is over? Yeah, hate to see it, man. Couldn't have happened to a better person. I mean, if we're like ranking people that have just been just like a detrimental piece to my football life, Urban Meyer has to be near the top. Just his dominance at Florida. Oh my God. I You're telling it. me. Yeah, oh yeah, I know. And then Ohio State, I have never liked Ohio State and what they did with him. I was like, you're kidding me. This guy's the greatest coach ever. He, like, Ohio State was doing nothing before he showed up. And then he got there and just killed it. And now they're on the trajectory they're on now, which, because of him, that sucks. And then he gets the Jacksonville job, and I'm like, of course. The Titans are, like, in this position to, like, get good. And now the Jaguars are getting all this talent, and they've got Urban Meyer. Oh, wait, Urban Meyer's not a good NFL coach. You hate to see it. He just – he ruined that team. That team has so much potential. They have Trevor Lawrence, who's one of the greatest prospects ever, and he's looked awful because Urban Meyer does not know how to coach professional football. He just doesn't know how to, and it's been proven over and over this year. I don't have to go into all that because it's just – it's all over the place on any social media open. You turn on the TV, it's on there. I just – and all the allegations around, I, it's just absurd. And, I mean, it could not have happened at a better time. Coming off last Sunday's loss, 20 to nothing in Nashville to the Tennessee Titans, who are back. They're healthy. They're, they're not fully healthy. They're getting healthy. They just steamrolled the Jaguars. All the stuff came out about Josh Lambeau and Urban Meyer, all the other stuff about him not taking the team plane back in Cincinnati. Man, hate to see it. Uh, what were your reactions from the Urban Meyer news that came out either last night or this morning? I saw this morning. I'm not really sure uh, when it came out. Uh, I mean, just a lot of the same stuff w- couldn't happen to a better guy. I mean, uh, just from a personal standpoint, uh, you talked about it with Urban Meyer when he left Florida, uh, obviously never leaves a, a job in a, in a professional way faking a heart attack in Florida to get out of that and wanted to spend more time with his family then uh coming out of retirement to take the Ohio State job people might forget I I I feel like it's pretty pretty well known Ohio State was like almost death penalty at that point they had they were on a two-year bull ban they had Luke Fickle as their interim head coach they had the the tattoo scandal with Terrell Pryor and, and all those guys and I thought Ohio state was on its deathbed and it was like, all right, I, I had to deal with Jim Trestle for like the first nine, 10 years of my life, but now Ohio state's going to be dead and we're going to be great. And then all of a sudden urban Meyer just decides to come out of retirement and take the job in Columbus. And they go 12 and zero in a year, they can't even go to a bowl game. And I was like, what the heck they were all of a sudden you just decided to come out of retirement just to resurrect our rivals all of a sudden. Uh, and then just goes on and kills us for four or five years. And before, uh, again, faking health problems and then, you know, taking a pro job uh, in the greatest way possible, as Urban Meyer always does. Uh, I think this year it just showed, uh, and I think especially with Urban Meyer, it just shows like the, the best college coaches. If you're one of the great college coaches, stay in college football. 
Don't even, I, I know everyone wants that. Dabo Sweeney, don't listen to this. Other than Dabo Sweeney, other than Dabo Sweeney, you have, you will have great success in the NFL. But other than that, if you are a guy that like thrives in college football, you are not going to be a guy that thrives in the NFL because it's just a different coaching system. We've just seen it too many times and it's every time someone goes from even like college basketball to the NBA, but college football to the NFL, the way every time it's like, you don't respect the players. You treat them like they're children. You do things that a college coach does and not an NFL coach does. And it just doesn't work. And that's a bigger factor than these NFL franchises have ever put, you know, stake in. That's a way bigger adjustment than any, you know, NFL or college player to co- to NFL player. College coach to NFL coach is just such a big adjustment. I don't even think I would try it at this point. The only one that's worked is Pete Carroll. And that's even, you know, that's, he's had Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson, some one of a kind generational type talents uh, doing it. Uh, but, but he is really the only one that was successful both at college and professionally. Uh, Harbaugh was, you know, pretty successful too, but no Super Bowls. So I won't put him in that same regard as Pete Carroll, but uh, you know, it's not easy to be able to command the respect of grown adults when you've spent most of your life commanding respect of young adults, guys that you're growing into men, because when you're a college, when you're a good college coach, when you're Nick Saban or urban Meyer in Columbus, you get to do whatever you want. You treat your players, however you want, because you're the one that really controls everything. It's not the same in the NFL. Uh, and this just shows again, it's not, it's not going to be easy. Uh, my biggest fear though, out of all of this, you know, I'm, I'm laughing now. My biggest fear now is it's the first thing that popped into my mind is Ryan Day takes the Bears job and Urban Meyer just slicks back into that Ohio State job. And all of a sudden I'm stuck with Urban Meyer again in Columbus for like 10 years, 20 years, because he's never going, he's never going to leave. I mean, they would never fire him and he would never leave Uh, that, that I I honestly think that's the trajectory we're going for right now because Ryan Day to the Bears seems to be more and more prevalent every day, uh, which would be awesome. But if it meant Urban Meyer was coming back, then I'd be like, no, let's just, I'd rather, I'd rather stick it out with Ryan Day. I think we can beat him more than we can beat Urban Meyer because for all of the, the crap we just talked on him, he's a great college football coach. He will turn your program around in a heartbeat. So I, would rather see him just, you know, go into TV and just retire. But that that is the trajectory I see right now for Urban Meyer. Ryan Day takes the Chicago Bears job maybe this year or next year, and Urban just slicks back into Columbus again, and I'm miserable for another 10, 15 years. But we'll move on. Urban Meyer, head coach of Florida State University. Ah. Oh, that would be a headline. I think he's going to take a year off at least though, or at least a couple months off. Cause he's got to get some of this, this dirt off of his like back. He's got a stink. He's got yeah, a stink it, on it. No he's one like hell of a year. Cause I, yeah, I mean the Notre Dame stuff was like the big uh, rumor when, when Brian Kelly left and they're like, Oh, it might just fall into urban Meyer's lap. It's like, uh, no, I don't really think Notre Dame really wants to touch Urban Meyer right now. His his scandals do not mix with the 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 Notre Dame brand right now. I don't think there's enough hail marys, and I'm not talking the plays for him to get that job. 
Holy. Like I said, Urban Meyer has had a year. Speaking of years, we're going to segue into our final topic. We both selected an athlete of the year, similar to the time athlete of the year that was released earlier this week. Uh, Dylan, what was your selection for athlete of the year in 2021? So I went by this, obviously, best athlete and kind of the athlete that kind of like I thought of, had the best year, defined the year, blah, 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 blah. I'll tell you all that to say, Los Angeles pitcher slash hitter Shohei Otani. I think this was finally the year Shohei broke out of his shell, which is weird to say because he's been good, but Shohei was on a d- different level, had a record-breaking MVP year where he did it all. And he just literally from like day one of the season, he was awesome and did it all the way throughout. Hit 46 home runs. Um, I don't know all the other stats. I just know 46 home runs. He did a lot of other crazy statistical things he had like eight triples and 46 home runs that like always sticks out in my head like that's crazy so he's a really big guy with a lot of power and he still has that speed i i would love to know what shohei could do on like a basketball court or like a football field because i'm sure it would be insane but yeah all the things that shohei did in los angeles and many other cities across the country that's the reason why he is my athlete of the year because boy oh boy he was awesome to watch every night who was your athlete of the year? Hard to hard to top that, but I'm going to go with Tom Brady as my, my uh, a little bit biased. Obviously, everyone knows I'm a Michigan fan, uh, but when you help pilot the the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to a Super Bowl, that's that's one thing. To win your seventh Super Bowl as a forty something year old, that's another thing. And now you add into what he's doing this year at 44 years old, he's in the running for another league MVP. Uh, he could easily take Tampa Bay back to the Super Bowl this year. I mean, the things that Tom is doing at this point in his career at, at this age, is just ridiculous. And the fact that like, it doesn't seem like he's going to stop anytime soon. is just wild. Uh, I, it just seems like every year he's converting more and more people to like, okay, I got to respect him. He's the goat. I mean, he just keeps doing it. He just can't, can't stop. Um, and while the Michigan Brady relationship hasn't always been best in years past, uh, it's going great right now. And I couldn't be prouder of the way that he's represented Michigan, the way he does at the next level. Um, he, and he just announced, uh, his new brand today and gave Caden our starting quarterback, Kate McNamara, an NIL deal uh, along with that brand. So, uh, happy for him in that, in that regard as well. So, uh, I think Tom Brady just, you know, the year he's had, as a whole, I think football players kind of have a, 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 an advantage in that regard because you can win a, a Super Bowl in the beginning of the year and then you have the end of the year, you get your full season. So it's kind of tough, you know, but uh, I like Tom for Athlete of the Year. Uh, I think, you know, so many reasons, but he just exemplified 2021 for me. Yeah, he's Tom Brady. I, I think, yeah, like you said, having the Super Bowl beginning of the year and then obviously – Football season starting in September gives football players an edge, but we got to watch Shohei play for a while and he did some crazy stuff. Um, the only other person that came to my mind when I was thinking of this, which I should have thought Tom Brady, but I did, it was uh, Shohei and Giannis, which I thought was really cool because it's two international guys Shohei from Japan, Giannis from Greece, and the things they did in the MLB and NBA, respectively, just incredible this year. And I've talked about them over and over and over again. So obviously they've made a big impact on me this year and I have become huge fans of both of those guys uh, with what they've been able to do but uh, as far as the athlete of the year I reckon we're going to throw a poll up on social media 
So you guys can tell us who deserves that player of the year. Tom Brady, Shohei Otani. We'll hear what you got to say. Uh, yeah, I'll throw it back to you. Yeah, we'll throw it on social media. We'll probably throw it in the Spotify as well, uh, just so you can give some feedback, maybe uh, give some feedback of who you think we left off, didn't mention here, uh, that deserved some more recognition. Uh, Finally, to wrap up, we've got the final announcement, the final winners of the Tunnel Vision College Football Awards. The winners are here. They are in our hands, and we are going to finish off the show announcing the winners of all of the awards that we voted on this week, all of our writers voted on them. We calculated and tabulated the winners based on uh, how many votes they got in each category where they were ranked. Uh, and then they got points and it was all calculated. These are the winners. Me and Dylan are going to alternate announcing the winners for you guys, starting off with the coach of the year, Jim Harbaugh out of the university of Michigan, 12 and one, uh, on their way to college football final or college football playoff and Big Ten champions, uh, throw it to Dylan for wide receiver of the year. Yeah, wide receiver of the year from the SEC champion Alabama Crimson Tide, Jamison Williams. I don't have his stats in hands, but boy, oh boy, he had one heck of a season. The transfer from Ohio State was really good. Uh, I'm gonna throw it back to you for the running back of the year. Running back of the year, and we're sticking with the state of Michigan. Uh, tr- another transfer getting the recognition, and that's Kenneth Walker the third from Michigan State. Uh, one of the best running backs of all time and has had a memorable season in East Lansing. Uh, happy to recognize him as the running back of the year. Throw it back to you for the quarterback of the year. Quarterback of the year uh, from the University of Alabama, Mr. Heisman himself, Bryce Young. That category had so many good players this year, so many great quarterback performances throughout the country. But Bryce Young's the man. We all know that. He was very, very deserving of our votes uh, from I voted for him, obviously. I'm assuming you did, too, and a lot of the other riders as well. But, yeah, Bryce Young, quarterback of the year from the University of Alabama. I'll throw it to you for offensive lineman of the year. Offensive lineman of the year was one of the closest votes of all of them, but it went to Tyler Linderbaum out of Iowa. When I think of Iowa, I think of offensive lineman, and that center at, at Iowa was a beast this year. So congratulations to Tyler. I'll throw it back to you for tight end of the year. Tight end of the year. Sticking with my SEC roots, the SEC theme of my announcement so far, I'm going with, you know, or I'm not, we went with, University of Georgia tight end Brock Bowers, who was a stud all year. We saw that in the SEC championship game, which they didn't look that great, but Brock Bowers looked really, really good. Um, so, yeah, very, very deserving uh, tight end of the year. I'll throw it to you for defensive lineman of the year. Defensive lineman of the year. Happy to announce this one. Saw him multiple times in person this year. Aiden Hutchinson from the University of Michigan. Uh, the University of Michigan single season sack record this year, along with a whole bunch of other statistics that that could pile on. But uh, Aiden had an amazing year. Second in the Heisman voting. Uh, absolutely deserving of the defensive lineman of the year award. We'll throw it to you for linebacker of the year. Linebacker of the year. You're all going to be shocked. Stays in the SEC. The University of Alabama, Will Anderson Jr. That's the name everyone's heard all year when it's come to linebackers. No surprise here, Will Anderson. Takes home linebacker of the year. I'll throw it to you for DB of the year. 
Defensive back of the year. It was a battle between two Cincinnati Bearcats, but Ahmad Gardner took the, took the defensive back of the year of the award uh, just with more first place votes. Uh, but both Bearcats very deserving him and Kobe Bryant, but uh, happy for Ahmad to take home that honor. Uh, and now the three big ones, throwing it back to you. Offensive player of the year. Who was the winner there? The O-P-O-Y from the University of Alabama quarterback Bryce Young could not be more deserving as we've said over and over and over again what a talent he is he's leading his team into the college football playoff very excited to watch him put on a show in probably two more games this year uh I'll throw it to you for defensive player of the year which I'm sure you're very excited to announce very excited to announce this one as well. Both offensive player and defensive player of the year were runaway votes, and Aiden Hutchinson from Michigan took it in a landslide. It was even farther than the defensive line award was, which didn't make much sense because most of the defensive player of the year finalists were also defensive line award finalists. Or, you know, it, but Aiden ran away with that one, and it's, I think, very well-deserving. When you finish second in the Heisman voting as a defensive player, uh, you're obviously the defensive player of the year. And last but not least, the TV sports most outstanding player is? From the University of Alabama, quarterback Bryce Young. No surprise there. Bryce Young, he's been the man in college football since week one. You can go back to our post-week one show, and we said after they torched Miami, like, Bryce Young's the truth. Give him the Heisman. And guess what? It happened. And to go on top of the Heisman, he got the most prestigious award in all of the land, the TV sports most outstanding player. Congrats to Mr. Young and his entire family and the Alabama Crimson Tide. Yeah, congrats to Bryce Young. Took home three awards from the TV Sports Awards. Uh, quick rundown. Jim Harbaugh wins Coach of the Year. Jamison Williams wins Wide Receiver of the Year. Kenneth Walker, the third, wins running back of the year. Bryce Young, quarterback of the year. Tyler Linderbaum, offensive lineman of the year. Brock Bowers, tight end of the year. Aiden Hutchinson, defensive lineman of the year. Will Anderson, junior linebacker of the year. Ahmad Gardner, defensive back of the year. Bryce Young, offensive player of the year. Aiden Hutchinson, defensive player of the year. And our TV sports most outstanding player is Bryce Young from Alabama. Happy to give you guys those awards. Uh, Excited to see. Uh, those graphics coming out on Instagram and Twitter tomorrow. Uh, And congratulations to all of our winners. That's going to do it from us at the the Dylan and Dylan show here today. Dylan, do you have any final thoughts before we get going? Yeah. uh, First, are there any surprises on there for you? Uh, No, I think it was pretty much chalk. Uh, DB was the only one that I feel would tie. I went with Kobe Bryant. But I also I went with Kobe Bryant and that was, it was close. It was just, yeah. it was, it was just a couple first place votes that put him out over the top. But yeah, I think, uh, I think it's tough because they were, they were teammates and, you know, they were the best yeah. defensive backfield in the country. So I think some of the first place votes that went to like, uh, I think battle from Alabama got a couple first place votes. I think if maybe they weren't on the same team, that maybe you know Kobe could have gotten a couple of those first place votes, but yeah. Uh, other than that, uh, I thought um, tight end was super close. Uh, tight end actually was had to go to the he had Brock Bowers had more first place votes, but they actually tied in their scores with uh, um, not the kid from Colorado State, the other one. Yeah, 
<laughs> I can't remember. I can't remember, but he there was a I, I, I feel bad. Wait, I should have it right here, actually. Uh top tight end, uh Trey McBride from Colorado State. I, no, not the kid from Co- Coastal Carolina. Coastal uh, Carolina, of course. That was what I forgot. Uh Trey McBride uh also had 20 points. Uh Brock Bowers just had more first place votes. So uh yeah, not really that that surprising. I think everyone was pretty deserving. Uh yeah, I think pretty much pretty deserving all around. I, Josh Heupel should have won Coach of the Year, but I mean, Hendon <laughs> I mean, should have took over a couple of awards. But hey, we got next year. Uh, but my final thoughts: uh, great week, great show. Uh, excited uh, for the coming week. Tomorrow, bowl season starts, which is insane that it starts tomorrow. And if you're interested. We've got the links on social media. Join our bowl pick'em group because, as you know, we don't have college football picks right now because we're in bowl season, baby. Uh, if you join that group, it links on social media. Uh, if you win, you might have a chance to come on here and talk some good old sports with us, whether that be college football or what. I, I'm not gonna say whatever you like because I mean we we got uh, restrictions here. There's only so many things we can talk about. But yeah, come on here, have a good time, talk some sports. Uh, if you're lucky enough to win that, maybe you can show that me and Dylan have been fooled all year and you're the one that should have been making the picks all along. But uh, go, go and make sure to join that. And, yeah, time for a fun weekend. Tennessee takes on Memphis in a really, really big basketball game, which is odd. The two teams I support played Memphis in back-to-back weeks, and it's very different circumstances. Murray State played an ice-cold Memphis team. Tennessee is now playing a Memphis team with a lot of momentum after crushing a good Alabama team. So I'm, I'm very excited to see that matchup. Neutral site at Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. It's going to be a fun one to watch. And obviously, bowl season starting. Sign me up. And then one last thing. John Morant made a very cryptic post on Instagram earlier. It was in Spanish, but when you hit that little translate button that Instagram provides, very nice of them. It translated to a few more days. So I'm assuming John Morant's about to be back. And that puts the NBA on warning because the Grizzlies have been good without him. Definitely John Moran gets back on the court. Buddy, watch out. The Grizzlies are coming. That's a good basketball team. Exciting stuff happening in my world of sports, the entire world of sports in general. Very, very exciting stuff. Again, if you'd like to donate to the uh, Mayfield or just in general Western Kentucky Tornado Relief, I'll have those links on social. But, yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening. I'll throw it to DJ. Yeah, I'm excited for all that stuff too, bowl season. I think bowl season starting is just going to start my anxiety for the college football playoff. I think I'm just going to now get that. I, I'm still more on the happy we won, happy to be there. I think as soon as I see bowl games starting, I'll be like, okay, I got to start thinking about Georgia, and that's going to just put my anxiety through the roof. So um, we will put those links out for you to donate in case uh, you would like to donate there. Uh, that is going to do it from us. At the Dylan and Dylan Show, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Dylan Dylan Show. You can find Tunnel Vision Sports at underscore TV Sports on Instagram and Twitter and TikTok on Facebook and LinkedIn at Tunnel Vision Sports and on the web at tvsportsmag.com. This has been the Dylan and Dylan Show. Thank you all for tuning in. Stay safe out there. and We will see you next week.